Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And today we are reviewing the long-awaited return of Todd Field to uh, the movie-making business. Since 2008, folks. Eight? I thought it was 2006. That's even crazy. It's Little Children. I thought that came out in 2008. I think it came out in 2000. I could be wrong, but either way. Long time. 14 to 16 years out of the game. He apparently retired, basically, after... um, uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, the film we are talking about is oh, the yeah, Cape, right. Cape Blanchett headlining Tar. Uh, and it's directed by Todd Field, who did uh, The Little Children. Is that correct? He did yes. uh, He did three films. A couple. Yeah. Uh, I forget which one was the one he did with. Um, he did one in the 90s. Well, all films have gotten high praise, basically. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, his first film was In the Bedroom. Yep. And then he did uh, Little Children, and he did some like TV shows. Uh, he did like some episodes of TV, yeah. but he doesn't do anything for yeah 2006. He doesn't do anything for 16 years. He essentially yep. retired basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he retired, and the pandemic happens, and he's like stuck at home. Mm-hmm. So he goes like, you know what? I'm gonna write something. Mm-hmm. And uh, the result was Tar, and he explicitly wrote Tar uh, f- with Kate Blanchett in mind. He even said he would not make it if he could not get her to do yeah. it. Yeah, and essentially uh, when he went to uh, Focus Features, I think is the ones who... Uh, yeah. Focus, no, Focus Features came to him and said, hey, Todd Field, you have not made a movie in 16 years. Uh, we think that is a crime against humanity. Please, please. We'll make anything you want. It just has to be at this certain budget. And he goes like, well, I wrote a script for Shits and Giggles with Kate Blanchett, and here we are. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, – let's. the best way I could describe Tar is it is a film telling, telling – uh, basically – Well, if I may add, what I like is if you read the current like description of the, of the plot – it's so right and so wrong at the same time for what is happening. Like the official one. Um, I mean, the, what I see is set in the international world of Western classical music. The film centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer, conductors, and the first ever female music director of a major German orchestra. That's pretty much right. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's basically taking a look at a, at a moment in time in her life where things come falling apart because she is, uh, to put it lightly, she's going, uh, there have been some accusations made at her. And Spoiler alert. Uh, I mean, well, no, it, I don't think that's clear in the, we don't know what's happening based on the trailer, but maybe that's just me. Um, okay, I, but I, I don't think it ruins the movie if you know that essentially the main crux of the film is her being confronted. Well, actually, it's interesting. She's being confronted by new things that are happening in her life a new uh a, a new cellist has joined her orchestra uh she kind of wants to her assistant tells her that's that something in her past is kind of chasing up to her uh mm-hmm. she has to choose a new assistant uh conductor for her mm-hmm. orchestra and then these rumors about past and proprieties potential past and proprieties are kind of boiling in the background but Ultimately, this film takes more of a fly on the wall, seeing her live her day to day 
as these things are happening around her. This yeah. is very much a character study piece. The But what makes this different from other character studies is that almost right after the character study element of the film, the plot is as is still a priority for this for this uh, project, for this motion picture. Um, and that that to me is refreshing, quite honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times when we see something that's given the label char dramatic character study, uh, the on a narrative level, on a plot level, the films can be a little aimless, to put it lightly. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with that with me. That, that's always kind of been my problem with these types of character study movies that you're like, there's not really a story being told. We're just, we're just kind of watching this character. I, w I would say if the character, and for my, cause I'm not saying you're wrong, but I would say what can redeem a lot of them is if the character is truly fascinating enough. Oh yeah. I mean, case in point, I think the, the number one example everyone would give is there will be blood, mm -hmm. which I've, Everybody who knows me knows my my critiques of There Will Be Blood. I know it's a favorite amongst millennials. Everyone yeah. considers it Paul Paul Thomas Anderson's Great Triumph. PTA. Oh, uh, but, yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, another movie that came out the same year is better. But hey. Yeah. Um, in any case, in any case, uh, how about a little discussion we can have uh, before yeah. this? So. So, see, have you seen any of Todd Field's work? I've only seen Little Children. Okay, okay, um, Little Children yeah. then. Uh, let's let's yeah. talk about Little Children, and then we'll watch the trailer, and then we'll give a review. Hell yeah. All right, so Little Children, 2006 drama starring uh, uh, Patrick Wilson, and I want to say Kate who, Blanchett. And, uh, wait, mm, no, that's... No, that's wait. Hold on, Kate Winslet. Yeah, Kate Winslet, yeah. Jennifer Connelly, Patrick Wilson. All right. Yeah, it, and um, who won the? Who got nominated for an Oscar for that? That was oh, uh, uh, the the uh, child Jack, star Jackie Earl Haley. Yep. Who yeah. for those of you who don't know, he later played uh, Rorschach. Rorschach, and he was the rebooted uh, uh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um. So, uh, little children, uh, basically about a pair of spouses, uh who are kind of kind of like intertwined it's a critique and, on suburb yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's basically american beauty but not as funny maybe it it's it well it's american beauty that's taking itself seriously and yeah. In my opinion, if I'm just saying, if we're comparing the two, I think American Beauty is the better movie, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, mainly because Alan Ball is a really good writer, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, but, but what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say it's it's American Beauty, uh, but it's also um, it's also like this added element of, of this of this like uh, sex offender who who has the wave of, or who has kind of that cloud of, of disgraced, disgrace over them, over them. Now, here's the thing. His story was more interesting. No, than, yeah, it, it really that's was. That's the thing. It's like, so, yeah. Th this was the movie that made Jackie Earl Haley like a, a constant presence as a character actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, ironically enough, uh, he got, that Oscar nomination pretty much got him the role of Rorschach. Oh yeah, and, and this role also basically was like so when New Line decided to reboot uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, 
the producers said, all right, so uh, we're going to get uh, Robert Englund's a bit old, who we're going to get for the new uh, for the new Freddy Krueger. And apparently the studio VP said, well, Jackie O'Haley, the guy from the guy who just got nominated for being a, a sex offender. A, pedof- a pedophile and a, a pedophile. sex offender, yeah. which and they'd already seen him be Rorschach. So they knew he could be intimidating. So they're like, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? For all the flaws that that remake had, that was perfect casting. Well, yeah, it really was. Uh, th- this movie, because before before uh, Little Children, Jackie O'Haley was pretty much a has been. You know, yeah. he was a he was a famous child actor who was in the original Bad News Bears. Uh, he 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 was like he had that face that was very like. It, it, he he had a he had a face and a presence that was very precocious, right? You know he he always looked like he had a very mischievous face, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, as he grew older, with which happens with a lot of child actors, is that their their faces don't change as much, and then like like this this is actually really interesting. Um, Macaulay Culkin talked about how the fact that his because you know his face didn't change as he grew older, people were really hesitant to cast them in anything because they said mm-hmm. you i mean it's weird seeing such seeing a kid's face on an adult man yeah right no, even, even though the only reason they thought it was a kid's face is because he's he was an iconic child actor and basically the same thing happened to p- poor jackie o'haley he takes on this role uh i believe todd fields talked about how like they were doing auditions and when he saw jackie o'haley he was like, "Wait, is that who I think it is?" And that his uh, his assistant director or not assistant, his casting director was like, "Yeah, that's that's so and so from Bad News Bears." He was like, "Well, he's amazing. We're casting him, you know." Yeah. And credit credits with credit too. That's kind of the big thing that surrounds Little Children. That being said, it was nominated. Not I, I want to say it was nominated for three Oscars. If I if I, if I thought I it was four if you include the Beth, if you include him, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay, I know so it, it got, was uh, Kate I, Winslet for leading actress, yeah. Jackie O'Haley for supporting actor, mm-hmm. and oh, Todd Field and Tom Parada for uh, adapted screenplay. Okay, uh, that's what see, it was. Tom Parada, he wrote, uh, he helped write Election. Oh hell yeah! Well, yeah. Hey, that's. Tom. No, not too shabby whatsoever. Yeah, he I wrote mean, a he wrote election and co-wrote, but yeah, he co- yeah, no, he wrote the novel. Of oh, election. he wrote the novel. Oh, yeah, he wrote the novel. Oh, uh, you know they got a sequel very recently, like the book, very oh, recently. Interesting. It's in, but it's in the um, it's in the girl's perspective, a grown up years later, and how her life didn't go the way it wanted. Apparently, it's quite good. Anyways, so yeah. that's a fun fact. But, Interesting. Um, um, yeah, Tom yeah. Parada. He also wrote the novel that was that was the uh, basis of the leftovers. Oh, well, good writer, very, good writer. Like I've heard, I've heard writer. people who always recommend me to read his stuff, and I'm always like, oh, I never have time to, to read his his books. But anyway, uh, I think little little children. Well, let me ask you this: See, mm. uh, I know you said that you think American Beauty is better. Yeah. Um, what was something out of Little Children besides Jackie O'Haley? You know, besides the iconic scene he has, or the traumatic yeah. scene he has with yeah. uh, with uh, it's Patrick Wilson, right? Yeah, with Patrick Wilson. What else stuck to you with with that film? Actually, there's an interesting moment in that movie that I do remember. I don't know why it sticks with me. It's the scene uh, with uh, it. It's the book. It's the book club scene, basically, and they're reading Anna Karenina, and. 
I don't know why this stuck with me for so many years, but they're talking about it, and the the lead woman, she's talking about how they're reading Anna Karenina, and all her friends, or so-called friends, they don't like the book, and they don't like Anna Karenina. They think, she, uh, for those of you, okay, Anna Karenina, basic plot is... Uh, a very high society woman in, in ancient czar in, in old czarist Russia cheats on her very loving and doting husband with a soldier, and she just slow, her life falls apart from there. Um, that's a extreme summary of an incredibly long book um, that I have not read. Let me be clear, but I saw the I saw the movie adaptation, which never mind about that. But what I liked about the scene with the book club is they're describing this film or this book. Sorry, geez. And, you know, the the friend is saying basically, oh, as I said, she's not very likable. But the lead sits there and talks about, well, actually, it's pretty incredible that, A, she was a woman of high society and she made a choice and she stuck with it. And B, that a book like this was popular among the rich and the poor and everyone in between. Like every, she expresses how everyone read that book in Russia at the time. Like it was famous at the time. And so how she found that very inspiring that it was a woman who, even though it happened to be the wrong choice, it was a choice and she was sticking to it. And I thought that was a really interesting scene, A, because it came kind of an analogy for the whole movie, at least part of it, but also it was, you know, one might not agree fully with what they're saying, but it's a very interesting point, Mm -hmm. and I think that really stuck with me. Mm. You know, a performance that I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot, well, there are a couple of performances in Little Children that doesn't get talked about a lot. One is, um, I believe Noah Emmerich plays the cop. If I'm not mistaken, he was in uh, the the Americans. I don't know if you remember him. He's I like mean, he's like a, that actor who's always like in a bunch of stuff, but people always forget. Like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. He was also in the Truman Show. He played uh, he played Jim oh, Carrey's best friend. Oh yeah, and he was in The Walking Dead for a minute. Yeah, yeah. What was he? I, he I was like a watching, professor. I stopped watching The Walking Dead after season two. Um, oh, he was in. It, remember the finale of season one, or one of them, where they go to that lab that's like sealed away, that was him? and they think they have a cure. I feel like that was him. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I, taking, I, rec- I know who he is. I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it. I, I quite honestly don't no remember worries. that show. Um, I know he was also in uh, Frequency, one, uh, one, an underrated movie. He's been yes, in a lot of was. stuff, and I thought uh, the role of the cop was, was quite frankly, his, uh, his strongest role. Uh, although people tell me he's better than the Americans because he plays like the FBI agent trying to chase the uh, spies. Mm-hmm. I thought he was very, very good. But uh, Jackie, Earl, the woman who played uh, Jackie Earl Haley's character's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, her, right. She was amazing. And she did, doesn't get talked about a lot. Like, put it this way. Kate Winslet had such her performance had such an impact on Kate Winslet that she cast her in uh, Mare of Easttown. Remember? That's right. She was I in Mare of Easttown. The, the mom's amazing. Try to guys. be. Oh, that actually. Because there's that one moment where she's like, just try and be a good boy. And you're exactly. Like, oh, oh. No. Uh. And, and, and like you said, um, I know a, there's there's a scene in the movie near the end. That's a very oh, traumatic, whoa. very hard scene to watch. Yeah. Uh, and Jack Earl Haley knocks it out of the park. But I honestly thought the actress that played his mother, uh, Phyllis Somerville, I thought she kind of is what tied that the pain of his character 
kind of tied it into the narrative so perfectly. Also, the scene at the pool where Jack Earl Haley shows up and everybody like gets out of the pool and he, they, they make him leave and he's like, I just wanted to swim. That's another good scene. Exactly, exactly. Also, so, I think that's what's got him. That scene got him the nomination, I think. Um, so Todd Field, again, I, I've never seen uh, the other film he did uh, in the – uh, in the bedroom, I never saw it, and I'm guessing you didn't either. But I, I remember when I saw this film, I saw it, and it's, I thought, wow, the cinematography is really, really like for a, a suburban drama. This thing is shot so, like, it's so sleek, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very sleek. It, it it's shot like I don't want to say it's not shot like an action movie. It's shot like a spy thriller. I want to say. I wouldn't go that far. It was pretty. It was pretty a uh, serene looking. I think. Yeah, but it's very sleek. It's very like Apple commercially. That I agree with. I yeah, agree yeah, with yeah. So I always thought, wow, this filmmaker has a very unique style. I because I don't see that in most suburban dramas. Most dramas mm-hmm. about the suburbs, you don't see that. You always see kind of the aping uh, American Beauty, which is like kind of kind of your standard, like not a sitcom type lighting, but not not a not a not a like a heavy not like with like heavy shadow type lighting you don't really see that in in suburban dramas mm-hmm. and that was really the visual element that stuck with me on the film and i always thought said to myself like wow when this filmmaker makes makes a new film it's going to be very noticeable that it's his but you know he stopped never, he stopped you never heard anything from him ever again you know, mm-hmm. we, we went to college, we or we finished high school, we went to college, we became oh, adults, right. nothing. Yeah. And then, what, two months ago, three months ago? People are, like, raving about this film called Tar. Yeah, well, this, this teaser trailer is released, where you just see Kate Blanchett dressed kind of like a man and a bunch of music. And I was like, what the hell? And... I looked it up on IMDb and it says directed and written by Todd Field. And I said, Oh shit, he's back. Oh, oh shit. I, I saw that and I was like, Who is that? And I had to look it up. I'll admit. The only reason I remembered was because I confused him for the guy who did um, that the Kate Blanchett movie with Rooney Mara. Oh, uh, Carol. Yeah, the guy who directed Carol. And he also directed the, the movie with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway. Uh, about, I think it was about DuPont. Yes. Um, Dark Water. I, I confused Todd Field for that. Or not Dark Water. It's a horror movie. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I, I think their name is Todd. Or, or Todd is in yeah. one element of his name. So I said, yeah. oh, it's the little children guy. And I got corrected by a good friend of mine who said, no, he hasn't made a movie since Little Children. That guy's not made anything. I was like, oh. Yeah, so when I see good. this, I'm like, oh, it's it. Oh, it's the little children guy. Oh, wow. And then you start hearing that the movie is getting rave reviews on Venice. People are saying oh, Kate yeah. Blanchett is the lock for the Oscar. Like everyone's like, like win, not nomination. Yeah. Win. Everyone's like Kate Blanchett's gonna win. No one, no one's got a chance. And you know, you and I had just recently seen Till, and when I walked out of Till, I said, "Wow, uh, Danielle Deadweiler, she, she's my, she's my pick." And I remember you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned uh, like, well, I just saw Tar and Kate Blanchett's going to win. 
It's like, had, really? I, I don't know. And you hadn't seen it yet. It's like, no, no, she's going to win. And then, you know, I saw it. So how's about we... Uh, watch the trailer. How, how's about, yeah. How's about we watch the trailer and then we give our review? Yep. Let's do it. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. One of the things I like about that trailer is that, you know, like, because I I only ever saw the teaser. Mm -hmm. This is my first time actually seeing the actual trailer. The trailer kind of brings to attention the sound design. Oh, which, my God, that's that movie's going to win best sound design. Okay, Uh, all the sound awards. So, see, give us your first thoughts on the film. All right. So. This is one of those movies where it's like I see the trailer and I'm definitely intrigued by it, like without a doubt. It's like, oh, I got to see this. But, you know, it's it's like it, you see it and you're like you have an idea of what you think this is going to be like. You think this is going to be very artsy. This is going to be very, you know, focused on a single character and it's really going to have odd moments that aren't going to be fully clear but we're supposed to just embrace it. 
Um, so I was worried about that. I sit down and first of all, the movie opens in a way that any any writing professor or any producer would tell you this is not how you do exposition. Because, folks, what it does is they hire an actually well-known uh, journalist from the New York Times to Doesn't interview. he have, like, a podcast on NPR? I believe so, but he's, like, a very well-known um, journalist, well-respected journalist. Knows. What, what's his name? Adam something, I think. Oh, don't quote I, me. I've, don't. I've listened to enough I'm NPR. not cultured enough to know. Adam Gopnik. I've listened there to enough go. MTR to be like, I've heard that voice before. And he, he is uh, he's a recognizable voice, and he's well-known. So you have this scene where Lydia Tarr is being interviewed by this real journalist about their career and what they're trying to achieve. And if, if anyone else, if I had read that in a script, I would have been like, well, no, don't do that. That's lazy. You're just trying to, you know, give us some expositional diarrhea here and yet you're watching this scene and there's two reasons why it works so well one obviously Kate Blanchett's performance is so just you feel the energy radiating radiating out from her like so constant and two the subtle moment where you see that there's another person in the audience whose face we do not see but we know is important in some way. It is made most distinct by the color of this person's hair, which is red. So that tells us that there's something important going on there. Um, so somehow that scene instantly opened my curiosity and immediately just drew me in. And from there, Kate Blanchett or Lydia Tarr literally takes the audience by the hand and absolutely goes for an incredible run with it. Just really manages. I've never seen, not it's been years since I've seen the performance, perfectly match the pace of a movie. And then I realized this was intentional. And I don't know how, how the director and actor both achieved this so well. But it was meant like a metronome almost it was like she kept up with the pace of the film and it was really something to see like i i was astounded by that uh i see that was that was my initial opening thought on that what was your opening thought on, on that honestly I'll, I'll i'll be real with you um, when the film opened and that scene plays out where she's like giving a talk and Adam Gopnik is just going over that she's an EGOT winner, that she's she was Leonard Bernstein's protege, that uh, she mentored, um, oh, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, the guy who did the score for Tenet and Black Panther and Get Out, Hilder oh, yeah. Goffernson. I, I am so sorry, I don't remember his name. But basically that that, you know, basically listing her accomplishments, listing, explaining how her career worked, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I like you was like, this is really lazy. And then we get the shot of the of the, the behind the head shot of someone in the audience. And I said, oh, OK, well, I, I, I guess I can see how they were trying to justify this exposition dump. Um, but actually, let's let's kind of let's kind of move backwards a bit more. Sure. 
the opening credits of the film are basically like starting from the the final credited crew member all the way to like Todd Field and Kate Blanchett. That mm-hmm. I, at first I was like, well, that's weird. Why are we doing that? And then I then when when that happened, I was like, okay, this film this film's doing something really different. Um, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And then obviously that scene plays out. And I was a little disappointed. I said, oh, that's that's like the laziest way to kind of exp- – because, you know, you have to explain – because, you know, you, you can't start from and then the character was born. You start with then the character – how the character's here. How do we explain how they got there so we can keep moving forward? And the the film kept going on. You know, she uh, – she meets with a with a colleague played by um, Mark Strong. Oh yeah. Um, it's a dinner scene, and then we get more kind of exposition. Kind of, we're given more like context over who she is, how she works, that she's in Berlin, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, it's just her talking, you know, and, and you know she's talking well, very well, but she's just talking. And honestly, honestly, see, it like for the first forty-five minutes, I was kind of, I, I was kind of checking out. I was like, this isn't really my deal. Like, there was one scene in like the first act that I thought was quite well done, which is the one-take scene in the classroom. In oh my god! That oh, scene was that very, scene. very well done. I <sighs> thought to myself, if the movie's just this, I'm gonna really enjoy it. But once that scene ends. It just kind of goes back to her talking, and we meet like the people in her life, et cetera, et cetera. It's not first off. Un- that scene was a, such an interesting, self-contained one take. By the exactly, way, exactly, exactly. Could have been its so own cool. short film. Um, and I really liked that scene. I really, really did. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it wasn't. And you know, we're introduced to you know she goes back. She flies back to Berlin. We're introduced to her, the people she works with at the Berlin Orchestra. We're introduced, but there's also another subtle moment where she's at the hotel and she says she won't have time to see her mother. Exactly, and that's such a. I get that that's also pretty common. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Later like, on, it's so it's used well. Okay, so uh, there are like these moments in the first act that are really good, but they're surrounded just by her talking with people, and I was I was a little bored by that. But it's not until. It's not until they're doing blind auditions for a new cellist that we get a sense something happens. Something happens where where she she does something inappropriate. Like not not a noticeably inappropriate thing. She she does it's a little thing. She she sees a pair of boots and she erases something on her notepad. And from that moment on until the end of the movie, I was so enthralled with what this movie was. Like this movie, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So there's a film, there's literally a biopic about the original Weinstein article from the New York Times that started the Me Too movement. I, I'm sure that film's going to be fine. I'm sure that film might even be great. No, 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 no. This this film, Tar, is the definitive Me Too movie. I, I, I say that with utmost confidence. The themes of this film, the themes of abusive power, 
hubris of 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 not even delusion of grandeur of of acknowledgement of grandeur that leads to downfall all these these are weighty heavy themes and these this film deals with it deftly and this film has such a confident sense of style both aesthetically and narratively this film is so confident in in the way it's telling its story about this particular character that for a split second and see let me know if you agree or disagree for a split second you're like i'm watching a really well done biopic about an actual person well here's what here's what i'm saying this al this movie is a biopic about someone that doesn't exist that, and it's yeah, crazy yeah. it's crazy that it pulls it off it's insane that like halfway through the movie i'm like Oh, this is about, like, this is about, uh, I was trying to figure out who this was supposed to really be. And I realized, uh, like, once we get into the third act, oh, wait, no one like this exists. Not even close. Like, I was like, are they talking about this person, that person? Or is it a combination of people? Not at all. It is an allegory of me too, of power, of abuse of power, told through a literal biopic of someone that isn't real. And that is incredible. And by the way, I'm extremely excited for the doors that might open. Yeah, this this film... So, so straight off the bat, straight off the bat, Kate Blanchett probably is giving a career-defining performance. Yeah. I, I just don't see how her performance of Lydia Tarr tops anything else she's or 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 is below anything else she's done like like this is this is maybe equal to her performance as queen elizabeth well because everyone basically so everyone points out queen elizabeth that's the role she, everyone loves to say she was snubbed for which it was very good um and then she of course wins her first oscar for um the aviator of all things which yeah, i know i uh, love the for, aviator uh, for uh for who who did she play she played like she an played actual a, actress yeah she played a famous person she played uh she played katherine hepburn yes she played katherine hepburn did a great job truly then does uh blue jasmine blue jasmine which at that point i'm like okay that's the career defining role because it was it was great it was a great performance but the difference was the rest of the movie was fine she was amazing the movie was fine now we get this and it's it is truly like it's 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 groundbreaking the shit she pulls off exactly really she, so so the character of Lydia Tarr is one of the most one one of the most refreshingly complex characterizations I've I've seen in a long long time. Mm -hmm. Lydia Tarr is both is both amicable and and antagonistic at the same mm -hmm. time. She is charismatic and misanthropic. She is someone who you feel someone who. But what's amazing is you realize. Kate Blanchett has taken a lot of her other performances and built it into this. It's like yes. this felt like it felt like all the other roles were a cocoon and then this is actually the moth of the butterfly. 
I know that sounds really weird, but it's like finally all this culminated into that performance. So like, Lydia truly. Tarr is both masculine, masculine in terms of her physicality, in terms of her her attitudes, and then feminine in terms of kind of her feelings towards music, her feelings towards art. Her feelings towards her other wife, people, other people, very feminine. Like, like it's all these contrasting elements in the character. That's just mm-hmm. so refreshing to see because they're never contradictions. They make sense in the context of the scene and the context of how this character is being played out. There's I, another, there's another little moment that I want to point out because it's just the subtlety in the performance is so fucking great. There's a scene when she, where she's sitting with her teacher or her protege uh, or not her, her protege, her teacher. Her mentor. Sorry. Her mentor. And they've talked a few times, but this is the first scene with them, and they're talking about everything that's coming up, how, because the whole point of this movie is not just her accomplishments and her down, and the the accusations that are coming out, but it's, what it, what was the, what was the thing she was trying to achieve? It was this full, not a full season, but it was a fifth uh, symphony, right? Yes. And apparent, and now I don't know much about classical music, but apparently, doing this would like solidify her as a legit, as having achieved what all conductors try to achieve. Apparently, for those who know classical music better than I do, please feel free to scream over me while I well. Don't okay, know what so it is. I was I was in band for my from middle school to high school. Okay, so so here's the thing: I I know a bit about the classic canon and i know a bit i know about cheap music and all that mm-hmm. but sometimes the way they were talking went above even what i know but mm-hmm. that even then that didn't that didn't like diminish the movie for me because yeah. what the film does really well is like yes it throws to you a lot of like music jargon a lot of stuff that you're like well, i don't know what they're talking about but they add enough context that you understand what your it's what's importance. The, yeah, what's the intention behind what's happening, mm-hmm. you know? Like you see you see Lydia Tarr starts talking about, you know, and and she starts talking in German because you yeah. know she's in Berlin. She mm-hmm. starts talking about like, "Oh, well, I need you guys to to kind of do this in this section of the music." And the way and this is the genius of Kate Blanche's performance, her physicality her physicality, or the, how she moves her arms, the, how she makes her face. You're like, oh, she wants them to sound more. She wants them to sound more intense or she wants them to sound farther away or she wants them to sound more, more tense. Like, like every time these scenes happen, like, for instance, uh, when we saw Banshees of Inshirin, like, you know, sometimes their 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 accents were so thick that. I was like, I need a little bit of context over what's going on because I, I can't really understand what they're saying. I never had that problem in Tar, even though there are segments of the film that are in unsubtitled German mm-hmm. and they're talking about levels of classical music that obviously I'm not an expert in and goes without nope. saying, see, yeah. but neither are you. Yeah. But I never had that moment where like, okay, I, I don't know what's going on, right? I need some context. I never had that moment with this film because... Todd Field's direction is so well done mm-hmm. that I'm not saying if this was a silent movie, you'd still it it'd still get its point across, but just the physicality of it. Just, this just could the have looks been in a, this could have been in another language entirely without subtitles, and we would have gotten the idea. Exactly, exactly. Now, the only thing I wanted to add about that scene, though, 
is what the subtle, and this screams to the subtlety of the movie as well at times. They're talking about all this music jargon that I frankly did not understand, but there's a moment where her mentor gives her something, and it's a little piece of paper. She opens it up and reads it, and we don't know what it says. And she says, oh, thank you. This uh, this means a, so... Oh, they were talking about her book. That's mm. another important point. So they're talking about her book and how it's about to come out and it's going to be a huge deal. He hands her a piece of paper and she goes, oh, thank you. This means... I'll treasure this. Thank you so much for, 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 for this kindness. And he's like, oh, well, that's... You know, you can put that in the book. You know, my name's... You can put my name on it. And she's like... Oh yeah, I, oh um, if we of course I don't even know if it's been if we're at what point in print we're at yet, but yes, of course, of course. And what that basically says is it's like what normally for anyone writing a book, that moment would have been so big, so huge to have your mentor who's also clearly highly beloved. Say, write this thing that you can put in your own work, acknowledging your incredible ability. But for her, it was it was not even on her radar, which is really, which just goes to show, like you realize the things that are important to her and the things she's willing to do, and the things that aren't as important either. You know, the this film, this film does something that normally I, I don't, I. This film does something that normally I'm always like, why don't more films do this? Where uh, they don't have to... Like, obviously, I was totally expecting this movie to be... After after that introductory scene, I was totally expecting this movie to be doing having lines of, well, as you know, Lydia, you're mm-hmm. this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. And you know that I'm this, 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 this. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want it to be that kind of movie. And it's not whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This film... This film works on a level where scenes play out or or we don't get explicit scenes explaining what has happened but because of the performances because of the because of the direction because of of the uh, of of what is said we get we get all the context we need over what's going on you know uh there's a there's a scene with uh, with uh, Kate Blanchett and uh, Noemi Merlant, who plays uh, her assistant Francesca, right? Mm-hmm. It's early in the film, and uh, Francesca talks about, "Hey, I'm getting these emails," and it's not like, "Hey, I'm getting these I'm getting these emails from so and so person because of so and so thing, etc., etc., etc." No, she just says, "I'm getting these emails," and Kate Blanchett's reaction of, "Well, ignore them. Don't answer them." Don't answer. Don't do anything like that. Where we're like, oh, mm. because we've already seen like the the back of someone's head. We're like, oh, oh, something's up. Something's up. And mm-hmm. the way Francesca's acting, she seems to be very intimately aware why this person keeps keeps emailing her. Mm-hmm. And as that as that subplot plays on and eventually becomes the main plot. Uh, we never hear like, well, this and this happened and this and this happened. No, 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 no. We just get Francesca, you know, crying, Francesca alluding to things that don't need to be said. But the audience is like, wait, what? Wait, you go like Lydia, what did Lydia? What? Why is she talking like that? What did you do? 
And this movie is doing so much showing and not telling mm-hmm. that you would think like, oh, well, people aren't going to understand what they're talking about. No, no, no. It's doing the best version of show, don't tell. Show the emotion. Show the worry. Show, like, the consequence. We connect the dots. And it just makes it for such a, a, a so much more fulfilling ex- viewing experience because, you know, we don't need to have the, so the actress who plays uh, Lydia Tarr's wife, Nina Haas, Sharon. We don't need to hear Sharon say, oh, uh, oh, we, you know, we could have ruined our careers when we came out. No, no, no. She just does an offhanded comment of like, you know how hard it is when we came out. And we yeah. already we already understand like, oh, we get more history and that's that's all we need. You mm-hmm. really don't get that in movies these days. No, they it's, they go and they tell you the eighth, ninth, tenth detail about it all. Exactly. Especially films like I don't want this to be a review where we shit on Marvel movies, but you know what I mean? See that a lot of Marvel movies start going, well, as you know, so-and-so Marvel yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, they, they do that a lot. And this film does not do that. This film is for, I would say, for writers who want to learn how the best way of doing showing, don't tell them. This, is, this would be a great screenplay, a great film to study for that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, actually, uh, yes. see, let me, let me ask you. Yeah, uh, that that primary. So as you know, the plot with Francesca eventually becomes the main plot, the, the main over. plot and the main reason of Lydia Tarr's downfall. How, mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on how that played out? Do you have any thoughts on the players of that of that particular plot of that particular narrative? So this movie very cleverly has you rooting for a toxic character, which is really something to to witness and feel. Um, But it's only because the toxicity is revealed slowly. Like at first you're, you, you don't know how bad it is, but then as every minute passes, you realize just how bad it really was and what she did. Um, But as far as the, the overwhelming takeover of, of it all, I just loved how she was so focused on her work, her project, like what she was trying to achieve, that she didn't notice for what in, for what was basically the mounting retribution and or danger around the corner. Like it was to the point where something literal happens that puts her in danger and she just pushes forward. She ignores it. When in anything, that's very much, you know, that was the movie's very visual sign of something's coming. Something's coming. And I'm trying not to say too much. But I will also add that just the way when you realize it's over, it's not pulling the rug out from under you. It's you realizing the rug hasn't been there for 20 minutes. And that's the feeling. 
but you yeah. didn't realize it until way too late. You're like, oh, she's fucked. And it's like, it's, it's, but it's much, it's like you, you realize the moment she was actually fucked, but you didn't think about it then. And that's, what's really remarkable. Um, the, the fascinating thing about how that narrative plays out is that it eventually ties into another concurrent subplot, which is, uh, which was when I started really paying attention to when I started kind of when the movie started reeling me back in was when Tar is in the bathroom and she sees this attractive this attractive woman come in and then just go into a stall mm-hmm. and she, she all she does is kind of look under and she just sees the the young woman's boots right mm-hmm. and uh, then we cut to a blind audition of of, a, of the cellist players. And Tar is giving a grade. And then she just sees... So in a blind audition, they have these, like, temp walls up so that you don't see who's playing, mm-hmm. right? So that all you have to go by is the uh, the, the sound of their music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's giving a grade. You know, people seem to like the, 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 uh, the person who just recently auditioned. And she notices the person walking away has the same boots she saw in the, in the bathroom. And she subtly changes the score. And you start realizing, oh, oh, you connect the dots with with the other subplot involving her assistant mm-hmm. and the uh, and the person who's been sending them emails. Mm-hmm. And you connect the dots and you're like, uh, uh, is is Tar that type of person? Yeah, and you and, realize she might be. And then we're introduced to uh, the cellist player from Russia, Olga. Played by actual real life cellist player Sophie Cower. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. So Olga is basically kind of your, and I don't say stereotypical as a derogatory thing. I say you know she's your, your young person who's like, kind of punk rock, but also kind of, kind of prod- prodigy at the same time. Yeah, she's like this punk rock prodigy. You know, she's really good at playing cello, and she's. The, the the big headline above her character would be unorthodox. She's mm-hmm. she's like, you know, uh, Tar basically starts talking to her and finds a reason to invite her out to lunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's she's basically trying to size up Olga, trying to kind of kind of ask her like, oh, who's your who's your inspiration and stuff. And Olga's just giving like these unorthodox. Answers. She's like. Because you, what you would expect is that Ogla goes like, "Oh my God, the conductor wants to talk to me and asks me what my favorite composers are." She don't give a fuck. She does not give a fuck. She's yeah. like, you know, uh, Lind- Tar's like, "Do you do? You, are you vegetarian? I eat meat. I want this meat. Uh, I want well, this what bread." I, what I also noticed is that she's, I think Tar, I don't know if Tar sees it, but it's it's Tar when she was younger. That's what I was thinking too, but I don't know if Tar actually sees it. But I, I was like, no, this is this is what Tar used to be like. Um, it, and it's so it's such a fascinating that scene in the cafeteria kind of encapsulates that entire character arc of Olga. You know, eventually throughout the movie, Tar starts doing more and more ethically dubious things mm-hmm. to kind of push Olga closer to her. And what I love what the film does. What I what I think it, what I think makes this such a refreshing character is that 
oh, Olga's happy that she's get she she's moving up in the ranks, but whether intentional or not, we don't we never know. The movie doesn't care to answer this because that's not the important element. Oh, uh, Tar can never get Olga, you know, into the trap. She, yeah. she just can't. We don't know if it's intentional. We don't know if it's incidental. But Tar just can't can't seem to get her hooks on Olga. And eventually, this ties back into the other subplot with with uh, the uh, the previous, uh, let's say, protege. Mm -hmm. And it all comes to a head with the with the climax where, like you said, eventually we realize like, oh, the Rugsman. This movie doesn't need to have a scene where where uh, Tar breaks down because her whole world came falling down. Because Although we kind of get that in, a, we, in, a, in its own get, way. We get her breaking down because the one thing in her life that was una unambiguously good is gone. Yeah. But we never see her because Tar absolutely revels in her, in her influence, in her power, in her recognition. She revels in it. She revels in being considered one of the goats of composing. She, she revels in what she presents herself to be. Exactly. And we never are given a scene necessarily where all that's taken away from her. We never given a scene where, where she has her professional downfall. What the movie does so well is that we get a scene of her walking into a boardroom. And that's it. That's all we need to know. <laughs> we know what's going to happen no, in that boardroom. And you, you know why it works? Because before... Anytime she was in a meeting or in a boardroom, it was her maybe engaging with one or other two other people. Now the boardroom is full. And that, the numbers game was all we needed to see. And you just see everyone look at her. And that's all you need. That's yeah. all you really need. You're like, oh, she's fucked. That's yeah. it. Then, you know, we get, then, you know, she gets the one thing that she truly cared about outside of herself gone. Mm -hmm. And then we see the, the breakdown. Yeah. Um, and then we see the, we, we see, you know, then you would think, okay, that's where the film's going to end. And then it keeps going. <laughs> it, it keeps going. It keeps going. Because and I normally hate when movies do that because usually it's unnecessary. But this worked very well. Okay. So this film is a drama. Straight up. It's a drama. But this, this, this film is, and I say this, and I know you're going to be like, oh, well, you mean this. This film is a drama that has a sense of humor and is confident in its sense of humor. But it's not a black comedy. No. It's a drama that's like, okay, we need to show kind of the ridiculousness of this. or Because, you know, we're in the high world of, of classical music, of, mm -hmm. of orchestra. We're in that high, heidi-toidy, artsy world. Mm -hmm. And... Todd Field is such an amazing storyteller that he's like, I know my I know my audience might get turned or might feel a bit distant from this, so let me bring him back in with a really well placed, maybe not a joke, but a well placed humorous moment, a well placed oh, humorous God. beat. That oh Jesus, and, and it works, and it never takes you out of the film. You never go like, wait, what the fuck just happened? That, that no, joke. you understand exactly what happened. It's. It's if it's not Tar saying something sarcastic to undercut her dismissal of the situation, it's it's her doing something outlandish 
that you're like, I can't believe you said that. Also, that's kind of fucked up you said that, and it's kind of funny. It's it's her talking down to someone, and then they say something, and then they grovel at her feet. It, it, it's her, you know, a well-placed curse word here. Or even better, there's a cumulation of, like, the fourth... This movie has a lot of, lot of subplots, but they're so interesting that you don't mind them. And they all tie in, they all weave in together. Mm-hmm. And the last subplot is is between her and her neighbors. Oh my god. And the the way that that way that plot ends is that someone basically insults her and she goes like they no, they insult her making music and she decides out of spite to compose and perform a song. It is so funny. Kate Blanchett is so funny. You are laughing so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like because it's with, everyone it's in my with the most because like, it's with the most obnoxious instrument on the planet. But but see, the genius of this movie. That scene sets up context for a later scene where you're like, oh, that was her first instrument. Hmm. that's her first instrument that was the first instrument she ever played and that sets up what lead the reason why this movie goes on beyond her downfall um or after her downfall there's there's still some more context that's needed for the story Mm -hmm. um the the scenes with olga like i mentioned beforehand it becomes funny how many times Olga rebuffs, whether intentionally or not, we don't know. That's the big mystery of the movie. One of the big mysteries of the movie. Olga rebuffs her in such comically subtle ways that you just can't help but giggle. Let's go have dinner. I'm sleepy. Okay. <laughs> and, and Kate Blanchett sells it. Like These beats, these humorous beats would not work if Kate Blanchett was not at the top of her game. They wouldn't work. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I've, I, I will say again, it, there's a reason why Todd Field said he would not make this movie without her. Yeah. She Only she could pull this off, A, that I know of, and B, she, like I said, she is the driving force of the movie. That, and here's the thing. I don't even want to say it's a weakness of this film, but technically, I guess you could say, you know, this movie could have only existed with her. If, yes. if you're gonna if you're gonna critique this in any way, it could have only existed with her. You could not have anyone else do this. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kate Blanchett is so effortless in in giving off a masculine presence and a and a feminine presence. I think I think I think her stature works to her advantage as well. Qu- quick story about Kate Blanchett, and then I promise to we can go back to this. My parents were at they didn't know to answer the question they did not meet Kate Blanchett just saying that now my parents went to visit a friend in Philadelphia and they went to there was this like very local art show and it wasn't at the you know museum the famous museum in Philadelphia with the statue of Rocky in front no it was a smaller museum you know kind of right outside of Philly with like just it was like a it was a it was a gallery that was like three rooms big apparently and they're going through and they see these weird videos with these different characters played by the same person. And it takes my mom and dad a couple minutes to realize that in the videos, 
oh shit, that's Kate Blanchett. And apparently what it was is she somehow knew this local artist and decided to help her out. Now, what the reason why I mentioned this story is that's the kind of actress she is. She anything to just in totally dive into something completely different, she'll take, but she'll give 110% and just absolutely knock it out of the fucking park every time. Yeah, no, I mean, so I knew, like, first of all, I never expected to laugh. Walking in to watch this movie, I never expected to laugh. And some of my biggest laughs of the year came from this movie. Now, with that said, like, I knew Kate Blanchett has done comedy before. I mean, she's been in documentary now. Yeah. Uh, she's been in, uh, she, she was in that latest Adam McKay movie, Don't Look Up, where she kind of played like the Megyn Kelly ripoff. That's right. I forgot about um, that. She's, she's been, she's been in like sort of comedic roles. Uh, obviously she was in, uh, she was in a comedy, uh, the, the, the most comedic Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, did but, a great job as Helena. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this, this is just because this, this isn't, this doesn't do, do a disservice to the character. It doesn't because, mm-hmm. okay, there's this one scene she has with the mentor, right? It's, it's the final scene she has with the mentor mm-hmm. where she's trying to bring up what's going on with her and how she should deal with it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the first thing he says is like, I've been retired for so many years. So whatever people have said about me, they can't touch me anymore. And it was so funny because her reaction's like, no, no, it's just kind of like an example, you know, with everything that's been going on. And he decides to go on about, you know, he decides to go on like, oh, yeah, my mentor was canceled because he was a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that Like, and he goes into how it's like, no, he was really into it too. <laughs> no, no, like, he goes, no, he actually goes like, uh, he actually goes like, he never signed anything. Oh, that's right. He, he never did it, but you know, he he was, uh, you know, he he was he was living okay during Nazi Germany, so he got in trouble for it. Yeah. And Lydia Tarr, her reaction where she's like, I'm talking about like 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 professional impropriety not being a nazi yeah and it's so like it it, that was getting a few chuckles out of me because it kind of went over his head what she was trying to tell him no yeah (laughs) they they were from so such different worlds exactly and then kind of the politics of being the conductor of the of the of the berlin orchestra right it's so it's so inherently silly and petty at times where she's like dismissing people because like oh they're old they're weird they're having uh they're having an affair and they even live on the same floor all this stuff is funny it's funny and it's it 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 works and again like i said before how olga just keeps basically basically pussy blocking her it's Mm -hmm. it's funny and and here here's the thing, which I'm gonna lead into this. Those funny moments, they're also equally terrifying moments, oh. horror movie level scary stuff. And that is oh, so as the film goes on, she has trouble sleeping because she's hearing weird things, mm-hmm. either when she's asleep, or like when she's on her solo jogs. She just starts hearing weird things. 
And the sound design is so good. So good. Well, like I said, it's going to win all the Oscars for sound. It's been, I've decided already. There's, like there's, there, there are different sounds throughout the film. Only, only two of those sounds are explained. There, she hears random screaming. She, she hears random noises coming from either her primary house or, or just to show you how rich and hidey tidy she is. She, she has kept, a secondary little condo. She has a secondary little condo where she writes her music, and yeah. she hears like a, a like what sounds like a uh, like a like a like alert, an elevator ding, like an elevator ding, and she never knows what it's coming from. And she's like, "Oh, I, I might use that to write a song." And then that reveal is one of the most unnerving, oh. scariest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, where I'm like, where I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's intense. And you know what? This film juggles those different emotions those different th- those those different moods so well like like there's there's a scene here where she's where where you first hear the screams where it is so unnerving that you're you're you get goosebumps right yeah and and then there are scenes where 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 she hears things at night and she doesn't know where they're coming from she doesn't know where they, and she she even talks to her daughter like hey have you been doing something or messing around with you been in my mom. study yeah. yeah and she just goes no no and the movie just to unnerve you more never ever ever answers those questions it only answers two questions like this is where this sound came from and this is where the other sound came from so 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 see let me ask you the these moves the juggling of comedy and horror in a drama the, again this You'll never call this a horror movie. You'll, you no. wouldn't even call this a thriller. No. Nope. But the fact that there are scenes that are explicitly horror and explicitly comedy in a drama. How often do you see stuff like that? Well, first of all, you... you... <sighs> when you do see it, it's done poorly. That's the problem. You see it in a lot of these more artsy films that juggle funny moments with sad moments. Um... I have a feeling we're going to get an Ari Aster movie in the future that's like this, maybe. But that's later on down the road. But normally when you get this, it only does either it does it either the whole thing's horrible or it only does part of it really well. Like the scary moments are really good, but the funny moments aren't. Or the funny moments are really good, but the scary moments aren't. Like the only instance I can think of that got close to this, but at the end of the day it just went full horror, was Creep. Okay, that had, you know, great, uncomfortable, funny moments that got very scary. But then at the end, it's like, nah, we're just a horror movie. Don't worry about it. And that's just the realm they went in. Have have you ever seen in recent memory a film that's very clearly one genre, but then detours into these other genre tropes expertly, succeeds in them, and then goes back to being the original uh, genre? Not this good. Not this good. Have you seen anything this good? No, I that no. I I remember walking out and I heard someone say like, "That was one of the scariest things I've ever seen and one of the funniest things I've ever seen." Yeah, and that's the I, thing. I, I I was inclined to agree. Like, there's these montages. Like you get of, a little bit of that in Midsummer or Midsummer, however you want to say it, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. I mean, there's these montages that we assume are what she's dreaming about. 
that that's some first of all it's gorgeous it's unnerving as hell oh with the faces yes that, first that's of all, oh, very wow. intense because <laughs> you look at those faces and they're all scowling at her but they have like the wave of when you see the a gas grill like release the gas in the air and it's like that that the gas basically that's what yeah. it looked like and it i mean it was awesome and yeah. freaky as hell yeah um so and again everyone's going to be talking about Kate Blanchett as they should she's mm-hmm. a lock as she's they gonna, are yeah she's a lock she's going to win you know what else has been happening just to give a mini detour sure it's apparently an internet meme to to treat Lindia Tarr as a real person like oh, a lot is that of, a thing yeah it's a like lot of a, a lot person. of a lot of pop culture websites have basically been creating fake articles about Lydia Tarr oh, that's like the so verge funny. has one that's like like the, the 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 things that were real and the things that were not about Lydia Tarr's life. Oh my god, it, that's like, so like, funny. Yeah, no, this has been a meme on Twitter. Like, like she's this real. Like people are actually talking about her. Like she what? was this. Like great she was conductor. this real thing. So that that I think that should tell you the impact of like that should tell you the impact this movie has on people who watch it, where they're like saying like, no, Lydia Tarr's a real person. You know, you're gonna get people who then like are convinced of this. Like, no, right? she was real. No, no, that's true. But um, all god. right, and Todd Field does an amazing job. Because juggling these moods is not an easy thing. Like no. the the reason Jordan Peele went from like oh the comedic guy from Matt TV to like 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 a lister auteur was because he knew how to juggle mood. Yeah. Todd Field knows how to juggle mood, and he does it expertly well. He does it so well that it's kind of shocking, because again. Like, well, because he does that thing where it's a slow, steady trickle, and then you realize you're laughing, or you realize you're horrified. Right, right, and it's never, it's never like this whiplash. There's not a whiplash. It's just no. nat. It feels so natural. I, I would love to see the original like assembly cut of this, the original director's cut of this. I'm sure it was four hours long. <laughs> because I'm just like, I, I just need to know how exactly you got this good. Oh my gosh! But so, with that being said, the yeah. the ensemble is very very strong. Mm-hmm. Nina Haas as as Tar's wife Sharon, it does an admirable. She says so much with with she she's not like her, her she doesn't have a particularly talkative role, but she says so much with her eyes. Yeah, the way she's, she looks. Also, the best moments are when she's performing in. Tar's orchestra and literally you see the different times she's looking at Tar and you know what she's saying with her eyes every yeah, fucking time. Exactly, exactly. But like there's a moment where she's playing the violin and giving her this look like it's a look of how dare you while she's playing perfectly. Exactly. Um we've already said uh Sophie Kerr's Olga plays the role excellently. She gives this this is a very punk rock performance. Someone um, pointed out to me that so when Lydia Tarr and her mentor are sitting in the table on the same table. You have two uh, Indiana Jones villains sitting next, sitting next to each <laughs> other. And I was like, "That's amazing and very true." Was was Holy he in God. Indiana Jones? Yes, he was. He was um, fuck. Uh, which one was he? I don't think he was the main one. But oh he was a, yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was the main bad guy in oh, yeah. uh, the Last Crusade. And that's so funny. It's like yeah, two oh my Indiana gosh. Jones villains in the same. Oh my gosh! Uh, room. Like like get, okay. For some weird reason, like 
I always told people like, oh, I think that's like Jared Harris's dad because because he kind of looks like Jared Harris, <laughs> Richard Harris. I thought I thought that was Richard Harris. Yeah. And no, no, it's this actor named uh, Julian Glover, uh, which, yeah. by the way, he's only in like three scenes, I think. Oh, he does them perfectly. He does them really well. It's uh, so funny. Then, uh, great. But but I think uh, the if I, I think there are two MVPs for the ensemble. For the supporting cast, Noemi Merlant as Francesca. She gives such a nuanced performance. She has in 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 a in a standard your run of the mill drama. She plays the beleaguered assistant, mm-hmm. but she had so much life, passion, and guilt to this role. Mm-hmm. Francesca Francesca has seen the skeletons of Tar's closet. And she then might shown have shown more. She might have even been complicit in them. And she might have also been a victim of Tar. Mm-hmm. The look on her face when she's when she's racked with guilt, when she's when she feels the tension of the walls closing in, when she's when she's like promised something and then taken away from her because it's just not it, it wouldn't look good on from a PR perspective. Mm-hmm. Frances the character Francesca is so well-rounded that this film is so confident in its storytelling. We do not have your your regular I quit or we don't have that regular like I'm betraying you. I'm stabbing you in the back scene that these types of characters would be given to the late lead. We, mm-hmm. we had these types of scenes in other movies about powerful men, powerful women who are going through their downfall. You see it in stuff like Wall Street. Uh, you know what I mean. Those, mm-hmm. the, the, the assistant's like, I'm going to stab you in the back. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. This film is so confident in its storytelling. All we need to see is Francesca's reaction to being told, I can't really give you the job because it'll look bad. And we just see her go like, ha, that's all it. Right. That's, that's all we need. Well, that and also just the scene where, you, where she goes to Francesca's apartment and it's fucking empty. And that's all you need. When, when has a film done that? that? That's like, you know what? We don't need that, that I quit, I'm betraying you scene. Or I've betrayed you scene. We don't need that. No. Nah. We're just going to see. We're just going to have Tar drive like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> In one of the more tense scenes of the film, Tar is driving so crazy in her in her electric EV uh, Porsche oh, that right. that you think there's going to be a wreck, and, and the, there almost is. And the stunt the stunt work and the camera framing is so well done that you're expecting a wreck, and then Tar just kind of stop stops herself. It's really well done. So that's how good this movie is: is that you don't have that scene. They might have shot a scene like that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But they didn't put it in here, and th- the movie doesn't need it because we get everything. Francesca says everything she needs to say when Tar sees her empty home. That's yep. it. And, and it's, it's it, like, oh, that's it. You're and out. the second MVP would be Sylvia uh, Flo- Flo- Flode as uh, the character of Krista, the, the previous protege slash victim of Tar. Which, granted, we don't see her much, but we don't need to. We don't need to. We don't. the The few times we do see her, which is usually just photographs and and like, and like nightmares, the, and then like the back like of a, her head. Yeah, it's it says everything it needs to say. 
it really does. Th that's the best way I can put it. It says everything I need to say. Um, those two are really the MVPs of the of the supporting cast for me. Um, any final thoughts, C? Anything we haven't covered? We covered the sound. We covered Kate Blanchett, obviously. I mean, without getting into specific scenes in depth even more, like, like hell, the scene where literally a wolf is chasing her in an abandoned factory. Actually, a German shepherd. Oh, it was a German shepherd. That makes more I sense. I mean, they're in Germany, so it makes that sense. Makes, that makes more sense. I imagined a wolf, but a German shepherd's chasing her, and she literally falls on her face. It's that's a good summary of that act in that movie where she's running from serious danger and she causes her own downfall. Literally, like literally um, she walked into the situation yeah. for very selfish reasons mm -hmm. and she got bit and she got bit. And that is such a great uh, allegory for the entire film, for her entire story. The other moment, can we talk about the very the ending uh, the ending ending or like the first part of the ending? I was going to say, that, well, okay, you know what? No, guys, the ending of the movie, not just the first part of the ending, but the ending ending is so good. That and it's so funny and really, really funny and just hits you in the head so hard. Literally. When the reveal happened at the last scene, last the frame end, of the movie, last frame of the fucking film, someone in my audience went, oh, shit. And <laughs> literally everyone like starts going, there's no laughter, but it's oh, like just shock of what's happened. So and it ends. And I don't think we should say it, but that's no, 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 we shouldn't. We should. No. So if there was an Oscar for, oh, for, for, Best ending of the year, it would go to Tar. God. Tar has by far the best ending I have seen in a film in the last. Because you years. don't, you do not, after everything this movie's pulled, you do not see this coming. You don't at see this all. You don't see this coming at all. The film <laughs> sets it up so expertly. Yeah. And, okay, so uh, at, no, at my I, no, I'm not gonna say it. But at my screening, there the 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 type of people who went to the theater I went to, yeah, um, are more would probably be more aware of what of what the significance of that scene. Sure. So when it happened. I got up and applauded and people were like laughing. They were laughing so hard. Guys, again, this movie is not a comedy, but that so But but it makes so much sense. It literally shows you how rock bottom tar fell. Um yeah. and, and again, the setup for it, it is so yeah, it's great setup. I was, it's another like fifteen minutes. Yeah, I uh, was, I was as that. as the ending was happening, right? As the setup for the ending was happening, not knowing what was going to happen, mm -hmm. I said to myself, like, why, why are we doing this? And th there is a moment in the scene where so Tar walks into so Tar walks into uh, walks into a situation that turns out to be not what she was expecting. And it happens to tie into everything that she's been accused of, mm -hmm. alleged to have caused. And it that's the scene where the, the chickens come home to roost, as they say. Mm -hmm. And it just hits her so hard 
that she she physically vomits. It yeah. hits her. It hits her so hard, like the the enormity, the the sheer maliciousness of what she's done her entire career. Mm-hmm. She runs out and, and just throws up, and and mm-hmm. that was a very very powerful moment. And I'm glad I witnessed it, but I was still thinking to myself, like, so we were leading up to this. Okay, I get it, but I, I really think this detour was. <laughs> pretty unnecessary and then the last shot happens and i'm like that made it worth it like (laughs) i i can totally see a studio head a producer going to todd field and saying like todd i i i i think you said everything you needed to say this whole section i i think we should just get rid of it and he probably fought tooth and nail to keep it and i'm so glad he did because no because it 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 like i this is it, a film. This it's, is a, it solidified my, my this movie in the top ten for me. I was like, the moment that happened, I'm like, okay, yeah, yep. This movie is a tragedy, and I was out. I left beaming. Here's the thing, and it's, it's a still Greek, a tragedy. It's a Greek tragedy. They're always hilarious. <laughs> this is Todd Field going like, comedy is just tragedy with time passing by. Nah, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like right there, and yep. it totally totally worth it. But uh, something I wanted to talk about, see, mm-hmm. is before that, when the when the when the finale is starting. Uh, so 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 yeah. Tar, Tar eventually, you know, eventually Tar has her downfall, mm-hmm. and I think. It's better for you guys to see what it is exactly. That, yeah, you, that, we, the, I, the, the actual thing that that's basically like, okay, your career is done. There, there, there's a specific thing, but I don't think we have to go into detail. But anyway, no. so she basically, in the best way to put, put it, has to move back home, right? She, or she hides out in her childhood home, and we we see that Tar, that the whole persona that Tar has created. Was invented. Uh, was was pretty much invented, but w- it's pretty much invented. And then we see kind of her c- confronting, confronting the memorabilia of her youth, the memorabilia of her lo- of her original love of music. She she basically has a giant VHS collection of Leonard Bernstein performances, conduction mm-hmm. performances, mm-hmm. and you see like you see like you see like. Oh, that was her original musical instrument. These were the awards she won. This, this, this is the real Lydia Tarr. Right? Well, that well, the, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. But yeah, that was this was the original person. Yeah, and then she meets someone from her past, mm-hmm. and the way that scene who. plays out is so excellent. On so, first of all, and it's actually sixty seconds. It's it, not long. It, it, it's Maybe not a long minutes. scene. It's literally Lydia, Lydia Tarr confronting, meeting, not even meeting someone from her past. They are so kind of not dismissive, but they're, they're kind of like, they don't care. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah. They, they told me you'd be here. What's up? And remember, this is the first character outside of Olga who has treated Tarr not in that elevated goat status greatest of all time in their chosen field like she's not on a pedestal with this person Mm -hmm. this person is like oh yeah what's up and that interaction says so much and they're not even talking about what has happened to tar 
They're not talking about how Tar left who she originally. No, no, no. They're just having a very casual conversation over like, oh yeah, I guess you're you're here for a bit. All right. Well, it says so much. It gives you so mm -hmm. much context over Tar's background as a character that for me, this film would be incomplete without a scene like that. Mm -hmm. Because we need to see, because even we need to see Tar really at her most basis, basic lowest form, which would be the people who knew Tar as she was before the excellence, before the accolades. We need to see that because even, even if we see her, even if we, if we see her in her disgraced form, she's still disgraced genius Tar. Mm -hmm. This is, oh, so-and-so from so-and-so from so-and-so. What's up? Yeah. It, it is such a, for me personally, it is such a pivotal scene for the film. Like, it would be incomplete without it. And normally in lesser films, this would be, this would be an entire segment of the movie. This is literally 60 seconds, maybe 65. Yeah, it's very and, short. And, and her, and Kate Blanche's acting partner in that scene does so much with so little. The, mm -hmm. what he, the way he doesn't look at her, the way he turns like, turns like against uh, from her, not out of like respect or feel fear or admiration, literally Dis just it's, it's pure dismissal. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you. Uh. But also what she's wearing in that moment is also very powerful. But yes, if we, do we want to give our final uh Review? Critique. Yeah, I think I, I think we've we've talked extensively out of everything that made Tar one of the best films of the year. Um, get you you go ahead, see. This movie fucks. Um, I won't go so far as that you have to see it in theaters because it was hard to see this in theaters. Yeah, so it had like a I'm limited. Gonna... It had like a limited release and then a wide release for one weekend, and then they literally cut like the screenings in half. So this this is going to be one of those like find it on streaming. But find it on streaming. It's that good. It fucks. Is that it? Um, it it's it's a fucking pitch perfect movie. It, it's not my favorite movie of the year. Let me say that now. But I really enjoyed it because it's completely subverted my expectations and met them at the same time. Yeah this this film this film fucks this film fucks hard this film this film fucks like Beethoven fucks. It's it's that good. Um. There's the the scene in Juilliard is going to be the one scene people talk about the most because, because oh, it's the God. most showiest scene mm -hmm. and it's good it's it's really good but it's really this whole film Todd Field has such an expert grasp on tone mood on aesthetics uh, on on how to shoot on close he has such this is a guy who's been out of the game for 16 years people mm -hmm. and he just schooled everyone who's who's come in since since he stopped making movies. He wrote this during the pandemic. He wrote this during the pandemic, son. Yeah. <laughs> and he just he told everybody, "Fuck you. I'm making <laughs> I'm making a masterpiece." And he really did. And it did really it. all all due to Kate Blanchett and her th th this for me is my my favorite Kate Blanchett performance. It really oh, I, is. It's it's either it's either number 1 or number 2. Like it's, her performance of Elizabeth is the only thing that comes close to this. This, this also is, her performance in Carol was very good as well. Sorry. Yeah, this is this 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 is a this is the type of performance that where other people this is going to be the type of performance that when people see they're going to say either oh uh, 
Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood or Lydia Tar from Tar. <laughs> and yep. it, it is it is at that level. It really oh, yeah. is. The the supporting cast is the supporting cast is excellent and is still doing their job of providing context and knowledge over the character of Tar, but still being fully formed characters themselves. The, the, the confidence this movie has to be like, we're going to have one scene where you're going to be terrified. We're going to have another scene where you're giggling because it's so silly and it never detracts from the overall theme of the film. It's, it's, it's again, Todd field. I've only seen one film of his and you know, I saw that because of the L of the most famous element of it, which was Jackie Earl Haley's performance. Mm -hmm. This shows me that when this guy makes a movie, I need to watch. Oh, yeah. Because. Which you might not do for another 20 years. <laughs> out of the game for 16 years. This, this, this film, Beethoven fucks. It's. Beethoven fucks. Like, <laughs> this, this, should, this should have all the major care categories. Should be nominated for all the major categories. And Kate Blanchett should. Like, like the, 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 the Academy should probably be like, okay, we, we need to put Kate Blanchett's name on there because. It's it's not gonna get better than this. Like again, I loved I love Danielle uh, Danielle Deadweiler in uh, Till. Love and her. she will be nominated for the record. She was amazing, and and when C said like, well, you need to see Tar. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what can beat that? And then Kate Blanchett just gave us a, a class on acting. She goes like, she goes like. Move over, Miller Streep. I'm the goat right now. No, she she is. She is. She is. <laughs> this and, and like and like you said, see, it's pure commitment to the role. It's 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 the confidence she has in looking like a, a like a, a guilt ridden, terrified woman and then singing an obnoxious song to annoy her neighbors. And yeah. you always feel like, yes, that's the same person. It just, uh, I, I really find it hard to like. This, this is a film that showed me that that you can break from normal convention and still be thematically consistent. Like, like, like I said earlier, this is a tragedy, and if if you're even slightly a bit of a nerd. You're going to walk out of here with a smile on your face or like me where I was just laughing so hard, laughing so hard. And it never undermined the overall message and theme of the movie. It's it basically was like, yeah, this is how bad it got. It It's just, you know, you know, see, we, we've, we've said enough about this film. Like, like yeah. it, it goes without saying this is probably this is definitely going to be in our top ten. Top no, five for me. <laughs> top top ten for me. I'm waiting to see what else is out. Um, there's a few movies I'm excited for. And for the record, the only reason why I'm more hesitant about this uh, is... Do you think Megan's gonna is gonna... Shut like... the fuck up. <laughs> First of all, that's coming out. That's the movie we agreed that we all need to just get hammered for and see. I... Um, no, I'm just curious about a few other films that are coming out. And I'm very... That I'm particularly extraordinarily excited for regardless of the mixed reviews I've heard I'm not going to talk about them right now but you know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. and that's fine and good but this is one of those movies where it's like you know the closest example I can think of it is so 
People may not know, but Al and I last year saw a movie called The Father together. Now, let me be clear. Two very different movies, obviously. Yes. Nothing alike. Nothing alike. If you like one, you might not like the other, to be very clear. Nothing alike in the slightest. But I went there, went to see Tar the same way we both went to see The um, the Father, which was, okay, I'm going to get a good performance from, Clay, from Kate Blanchett, but... You know, otherwise this might be a little bit of an artsy piece that. And then the running put, time also was like, oh, does this really need to be it was two a, hours and forty minutes? Yeah, it was a long movie, and I'm like, all right. But I go to see this, and I'm just so astounded that it worked so well that I like need to see more movies for a minute before I like. And it will be in my top ten, but as far as where it's going to be, I don't know yet. And it's like I'm comparing it to the experiences I had with other movies. And it's it is a revelation. Like I'm not denying that part at all. Like, but I just need to let it sit with me, which it is. Like I'm I just I'm driving along and I'll think about, oh my God, what if I crashed my car like tar? Like it's just like it's definitely in my life. But for me, it's li- think it literally it. is. Like if you had told me, Al. You're going to laugh your ass off in this movie. I would have looked at you and be like, that's not encouraging. And, and, and the fact that it's just like, uh, it, it shows you that if the if you're confident in, what, in how you're trying to tell your story, mm-hmm. if you're confident and you just have the right ingredients, not, there's, no, there's not a crazy idea that won't work. Because... Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you see the moment people saw the 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 ending or saw the ending in written form they mm-hmm. probably told Todd Field then no this is what are you doing this is no there's a better way to do this without mm-hmm. going this far mm-hmm. and Todd Field must have stood his ground and said like no the whole point is that it has to go that far because that's yeah. how far she's fallen yeah and and it's funny on a visceral level because you're like that you're I could give you a hundred guesses over what you think the ending is gonna be. And you won't get it right. You won't get it. You won't. You won't. You will not know you will you will not guess the final scene in the slightest. It's just it's just one of those things that th- this is a film that you know, one time Gene Siskel and Robert e- Roger Ebert were talking about like films that made them go like this is why we do this. Uh, this is why we review movies. And uh, Gene Siskel gave the said, when we went and saw Fargo, I whispered to I whispered to Ebert, this is why we go see movies. Mm-hmm. And he considered it as he considers that one of the greatest films ever made. And I don't I if if C was with me when I saw this, I would have been like, been like. This is why we watch movies for stuff like this, for stuff like this. It, yeah. This this is this is this is something that I feel like almost anybody could find something interesting about this. Most people will be drawn in by Kate Blanchett, but the the directing is so calm. I I know people who are really into directors. Todd Field, his agent's going to be like, "Hey, Todd, you know how you retired and then you made this just because you were bored over the pandemic? How'd you like to unretire?" <laughs> Because I'm getting a lot of calls. Yeah. Um. Kate. Kate Blanchett. Th- th- this. 
when when Kate Blanchett need not that she needs to, but if someone's always like, "Can I see your demo reel?" She just needs to show them tar. She just <laughs> needs I, to show them tar. Can you imagine walking up to Kate Blanchett? Uh, listen. I know you're great. You've won some stuff, but do you have a demo reel available? It's like, <laughs> bitch, just watch tar. Just watch. I, tar. I, I cover almost everything in tar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is, this is definitely a movie. People. Should she just watch. sends you the scene with her breaking down in the apartment, screaming with the, uh, with the instrument. That's all she's, <laughs> that's her reel. That's just that scene. It's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, they're going to show her this scene where she's at the school speaking with the little girl. Oh, my God. That and they're like, I can speak German, too. <laughs> I insulted this child in German. Which, or, that was a weird scene, too. Or, 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 or when, they, when she goes, like, when she goes, like, you, you want to you wanna see me, like, you, you want to see me argue with a woke person? Here's this scene. You want to see me get cop blocked? Here's this scene. You want to see me? You want to see me get be in a horror movie? There's this. There's just so many she scenes. Is, you you don't. To, you don't see that a lot. You want it, me to nearly assault somebody? Maybe then let me do this. Let, let me show you this. Let me show you that. You want. Yeah. You want to see me? You want to see me? Uh, uh, reading. A, th- there's one scene we didn't talk about where she's reading her novel or where she's reading her book, mm-hmm. and like. Every every time someone mentions the book, they talk about how like how they talk about how excellent it is. They talk about how it's the best thing ever. That's going to cement her status as one of the greatest living composers. And then the film goes like, you know what? I need to make this funny. And they have a character texting another character about it. And you see the you see the 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 chat, and it's just it's funny. You're laughing because you're like it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you're really happy that the movie acknowledges it. Um. But yeah, no, I, we've said more than enough about Tar. Um, just letting every all my friends know that if you're gonna ask me, like, so uh, Al, what's uh, what should I want? Tar, Tar. But I'm in the Tar, Tar. But I want a Tar, Tar, yeah. Tar. And yeah, no, this 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 is Tar is the reason people go see movies, and I'm I'm really glad Todd Field was bored during the pandemic and this. <laughs> so well, this, yeah, with that being on said, that lovely notes. Thank you. Thank you. COVID. No, no, wait that. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Well, on that note, this has been, what do you think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And this has been, uh, Tarific. <laughs> yes. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.